Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Obviously, I'm hyped up. That was my first win versus the Patriots, so that was pretty exciting, man. This is a disgusting taste in my mouth. He heard us tonight in pretty much every way possible. Just a start. I, you know, I haven't done anything yet. As long as we got three, we got a chance. I'm always say that. He's a, he's a bad boy. You know, Thanksgiving, you finna go get that good meal, watching your grandma, your auntie, anybody cook. It's kind of like that. You know it's gonna be something good. What a game it was last night to cap the second Sunday of the 2020 NFL season. Good morning. The show is Pro Football Talk Live. We can say to the live audience on Peacock TV and Sirius XM 211, good morning in real time. NBCSM, though, at 9 a.m. Eastern. It's the re-air, but we're it doesn't back. matter because we're back, baby. Tour de France thing, as Bo Jackson once called it, is over, and we are back, and it's a great day to be back, by the way. Sky Sports, prime time. Leading up to Monday Night Football, for them, or at least a lot closer to Monday Night Football than it would be if they were watching it live. But, Chris, what a day. Now, look, it's always tempered because of all the injuries and the horrific story involving James White and the death of his father in a car accident. So, you know, it's not all euphoria, but with football especially on the field, there will be injuries from time to time. It's not a trend. It's not a rash. It's a week two last year had a bunch of injuries as well. But we had a bunch of great games. And we had a very great game. We had a memorable game. We had a, a I wish the Patriots and Seahawks were in the same division type game and would play twice a year instead of once every four years type of a game last yeah. night as, as the Seattle Seahawks, my Seahawks, held off your Patriots on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, I mean, first, it was an amazing game. It really was. I mean, just the way, first off, I, I think the thing that jumps out to me, the different approaches by both teams. It's just refreshing to see on each on each side of the ball. You know, but I think the thing that'll jump out to me more than anything, and because we could talk about both quarterbacks and wax poetically, yeah, we got to start about Russell Wilson. First off, we haven't seen anybody here in the last few years tear up that Patriots defense like we just saw last night with passing plays and things like that. Very rare to see any passing offense really function at that high of a level, his ability to, Oh wait, I've gotten on the edge and it looks like they got me Oh, I'll cut inside and get five yards on a first down. I mean, he gave the Patriots multiple headaches last night. And I think everything we saw from Bill Belichick, like in the week, as far as I don't see anybody playing better than him right now. I think Bill Belichick showed that like Mike, you heard Chris Collinsworth in the first half. He was a little bit like shocked with the Patriots and how they were playing defense. They're usually man-to-man, in-your-face, like, we don't back down and we're going to be all over your stuff. Bill Belichick, like, backed off. Like, he was like, I'm not getting in the face of this crew. The hell with that. These guys can run. And that sucker, Russ, he'll go bombs away on me right away. I'm going to play zones and not let him do anything. 
uh, to get big plays. And, of course, it still didn't matter. It didn't. And I just think that's where we're at. With Russell Wilson, Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, they've crossed over into, like, unstoppable mode with the things they can do. And uh, I found that to be the first thing that jumped out at me about the game last night, Mike. Put the graphic back up, please, of Russell Wilson's performance so far this year. It Insane. is obscene. He's got 11 incompletions in two games, nine touchdown passes in two games. His passer rating, despite a pick six early last night, 140.0. Wow. He has completed 82.5% of his passes. And, Chris, let, let's just start right there. Yeah. We're, we're going to get to the ending of the game. It was a, it was a, a final play reminiscent of a Super Bowl from a few years ago involving these two teams, although the roles were reversed and right. the play call was reversed. Right. But with Russell Wilson, he talked to Peter King after the game, and he's embracing the concept of being the best quarterback in football. He told Dan Patrick on Friday when asked, are you the best quarterback in football? I believe I am, without a doubt. He said to Peter King, I want to be the best in the world. If I'm not thinking like that, I'm not going to be successful. And what he added was there's things he wants to do, right? And, and Peter said, yeah, he wants to win a championship. Well, I think it's more than that. I think that Russell Wilson in his early 30s is starting to appreciate his football mortality and also his place in football immortality. We said this last week. If you have one Super Bowl championship to cap an illustrative career, you're possibly Aaron Rodgers, to be determined on right, that. Right. If you have zero, you're Dan Marino. Right. Yeah. Or Dan Fouts or Fran Tarkenton. If you have six, you're Tom Brady. Russell Wilson understands if he's going to break toward all time greatness, he's got to get more Super Bowls. And it's not about one. It's about multiple. And he's got one through eight seasons. This is season number nine. And I think this is the origin of the entire let Russ cook mantra. Yeah. But we're seeing it play out. He went to them. He went to us initially at the Super Bowl. He said it to the media, but he said it to them. This is how he wants to play. He's good enough to excel. And we've seen it. The throws last night. Good God. Maybe he is the best quarterback in football right now. We're just wired to think it's Patrick Mahomes. Well, it, I mean, it's okay to have the argument and go, I don't know, this guy, that guy, they're both awesome. It doesn't really matter. But you're right. I mean, it, it, it's an argument. I think it's a legit argument where you can sit there and no doubt just go, okay, I mean, one game, one play, I don't taking care of the football, how to win a football game, situational football, it's all extremely close between, between both of them especially. I mean, they're playing at an extremely high level. And Wilson's just in another level of efficiency right now. Plus, we haven't seen Wilson really be a part of, you know, for lack of a better phrase, a Patrick Mahomes-style offense where it's just, hey – Hey, big guy, get in the shotgun. We got weapons around you. Start wheeling and dealing. This is really the first time we're seeing it where they're just saying, go ahead. Forget it. We're not going to bang our head against the wall and run for the first two quarters of the game and get down by 10 and tell you to come back. You know, last night, even though they ran the football and there was balance, it's different than what we saw in years past. It started the, the game started with them attacking through the pass game, and it's just a different feel altogether. Plus, as we see, they got a freak of nature in DK Metcalf, uh, who's, uh, I think, along with Russ, we could start talking about, like, I don't know, is he one of the five best receivers in the game? Is he one of the two best, three best? It doesn't matter. We haven't seen anybody do what he did to Stephon Gilmore since uh, he's been in New England the last three years, especially Gilmore. And DK put it to him, was not intimidated by him. So it's just a new mantra, and I think it's very exciting to watch how they've kind of uh, – flipped over the, the, their their culture and the way they are, I guess, is how they play is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I don't think DK Metcalf is ever going to be intimidated by anybody when you <laughs> no. see how cut up he is and how big right. he is, and it still is amazing. He almost made it all the way to round three last year. I think I'm going to mention that every time we talk about DK Metcalf. It's because, ridiculous. my God. I mean, if we're going to talk about teams that passed on great quarterbacks, what's wrong with talking about teams that passed on great receivers? Look at all the teams that passed on Michael Thomas. Same idea. This is DK Metcalf yeah. coming into his own. And when you have an offense that's going to throw the ball the way the Seahawks are now throwing the ball, you're going to have stars develop in the passing game. And that's what DK Metcalf definitely can be. Russell Wilson spoke after the game here. He is following that great victory over the Patriots. 
Russ, I think these are most touchdowns in a two-game stretch for you. What's working maybe perhaps more than in the past? Um, I think guys are just making tremendous plays. You know, I think that you know, Coach Shadi is doing an unbelievable job of calling plays. You know, we're, we're, we're mixing, the, mixing the ball, you know, ball up in terms of who's catching it, who's touching it, uh, in terms of the running game and everything else. And I think the guys up front are doing a great job, man. They're giving me time to make throws and uh, allowing me to, to try to make some of these throws and stuff like that. So um, I just think it all comes down to the kind of guys you have in the room, you know, on the field and everything else. And, and let me just say this, and I'm reminded of it because he has his neck gaiter around his neck, which is where neck gaiters tend to go. There were shots of him late in the game on the sideline with his neck gaiter up over his mouth and nose. You don't see that from players during games. Yeah. And my wife noticed that. We were watching the end of the game, and she appreciates that because, look, this is a time when the NFL is getting ready to smack down some of these coaches who refuse to pull their – gator or their mask over their mouth and nose, including your guy Kyle Shanahan, who I don't know why he even bothers to have it around his neck. Yeah. I mean, he's going to get whacked today by the NFL. I think so. And right. if he doesn't start doing it, he's going to get whacked even harder yeah. next week. That's the way they're going to do this. Right. But, you know, I, I mean, Russell Wilson, number one, concerned about his family. He's got a young baby at home. But number two, it sends the right message. Yeah. At a time when there's this – I'm sorry to veer into the politics, but there's this well, – it shouldn't be political. There's this ridiculous debate about whether or not you can save your life by wearing a damn mask. And it's great to see somebody in a position of influence like Russell Wilson setting an example that could change someone's mind. That if there is anyone on the fence on this issue, and I doubt there is, it's just the kind of example that we need to see. So even more credit to one of the best quarterbacks in football for doing the right thing when he's standing there on the sideline watching the game. No, he does always the right thing. I mean, that's why you pay him $35 million a year. It's probably why he, he could have asked for more. I mean, he's, he's, I mean, who's more professional, stand-up guy, just wears your franchise better than, than Russell Wilson? I mean, he's, he's really the perfect quarterback from that standpoint. You never have to worry about getting in trouble. You never have to worry about him saying anything bad about anybody on your football team. You never have him have to worry about him saying anything disrespectful about the other team to give them bill, bill, uh, bulletin board material. And then go ahead. And then you never have to worry about anything except, oh, he's going to come in here and try to work his hardest to try to be the greatest of all time. Oh, man, what a, what a bad one they picked there in Seattle. <laughs> I, 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 but you know what? I just had a thought what? about Russell Wilson because he's been mocked for being goody two shoes yeah, right. throughout his career. Right. Go and, Hawks. And, and here's the difference. Yeah. Here's the difference. Well, you know what? I talked to him last week. He didn't say go Hawks. Damn it. We've had him on set. <laughs> he doesn't, he's starting to, but, and, and maybe this is the extent of it. But, but he did do it last night on, uh, on Sunday <laughs> yeah, Night Football. Yes. But, but, you know, <laughs> I, had a, I had a thought here. Now, what the hell? It's Monday morning. Let's have some fun. Grease is on Netflix, and and to me, I was like an early teenager, 11, 12, when we went to see Grease in the theater, and it was just a moment, and I, and I watched it recently, and it brings back all those memories, and it is every bit as cheesy and corny and awesome as it was 40-plus years ago. Right. But it, it's almost like Russell Wilson is going through the transformation of Sandra D to Sandy at the end when she when she shows up but, but but not not but he's like becoming a badass in his own way yeah I got you. by embracing I'm the best quarterback in right. football and yeah that's how I'm gonna be and I'm done standing in the shadows no more Sandra D for me I can still be the guy who sets the right example says the right things does the right things but damn it I'm done taking a back seat I'm done being being second fiddle to any other quarterback in the NFL because I see what these guys do and I'm as good as all of them, if not better. And damn it, Seahawks, if you're not going to let me go show that, I'll find a team that will let me. And trust me, folks, I know you don't like hearing it and I know it makes Tony Dungy roll his eyes, but the truth is that's the message that was sent to the Seahawks and we're seeing the end result of it. They were smart enough to recognize we better let this guy do what he's capable of doing. And that's where Russell Wilson has become a badass, Chris. Uh, agree, agreed. I mean, I didn't think we were talking about Greece today or anything like that. Beauty school dropout I. all these things. Neither Neither did here, I. Here, here. But either way. That's the first song you go to? <laughs> I don't know. Beauty all, school, the worst song in the, the movie one, is the first one you go to? It's the one that popped in my head. I don't know why it did. But either way, well, two things there. First off, yeah, Russ, you know, nerd, whatever, corny. Oh, Okay. The one, the one thing that I think people, guys in a locker room, and especially somebody like me, and you're, I think you're explaining it, he's always owned it. He's never tried to be anything else. 
And to me, guys in a locker room, just in my experience in the NFL in my eight years, they can respect that. You know, they might be like, oh, he's a dork. But, they, it, oh, I mean, he's, he's always the same. He's the same guy every day. I appreciate that it, it's not a fake. He doesn't try to come in here one day and try to be tough guy. And then the next day he's, you know, Rico Suave dressed all cool. He's, he's him. And I respect that about Russ. And I don't think he, like, you know, what do I want to say? Fall, uh, just moves or d- changes for anybody. And then the other thing, Mike, Seattle, I got you got to give Pete Carroll a lot of credit. I mean, just for what he did here. This was hard for him, I'm sure. This is outside of his, like, DNA scope here to be like, what? Throw first, bombs away. I want to play four yards in a cloud of dust with Marshawn Lynch and, you know, hold you to 12 points and try to win 16-12. So a lot of credit to him and playing through the strength of his team. You know, two of the three best players on his football team are DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson. And then he went, wait, so I can't play this bend, don't break style on defense if we're going to play air it out, go attack on offense. Who can I get to be like a crazy Tasmanian devil on the defensive side of the ball? to start making plays there, or maybe we give up a few either way, but we're still getting the ball back to Russ to let him cook and all that, and they get Jamal Adams. So Schneider, Pete Carroll, their thoughts of what they've done on the field and then to match it up with the players on the field as well and what they've done in scouting and and free agency, uh, phenomenal. And that's why they're the Seattle Seahawks. Your point about Pete Carroll is a great one. His mentor was Bud Grant, not... Don Coriel. Yeah, right. right this right. is a defensive grounded pound, three yards in a cloud of dust type of mentality. They tripped over Russell Wilson in the third round of the 2012 draft. I'm not quite sure they knew what they were getting. No one knew. Otherwise, he wouldn't have lasted that long. I remember seeing him being interviewed from his home when he was picked by the Seahawks. And right. everyone was kind of intrigued by what this short quarterback could do in the NFL. And he's taking the NFL by storm. But look, he's found, I think the right balance at this point. He's always erred on the side of not making waves. And I think he's found his voice. And there's a way to make waves without being a villain, without being a jerk, right? He's still a good guy at his heart. He's still a guy who's going to skew toward doing the right thing. Right. But there's nothing wrong with, as you would say, Chris, having some self-confidence in yourself. And that's what he's exhibiting. And he's made it clear that he wants to show the world what he can do because he is chasing immortality. He's going to be 32 later this year, I believe. He wants to play until he's 45, but, you know, I'm sure a lot of guys want to play until they're 45, and there are factors out of your control. Yeah. You've got to seize the moment while you can, and it has to be hard for him to look in the rearview mirror and recognize, I've been in this league now eight spins around the sun, and I've only got one Super Bowl to show for it, and, yeah, I may end up being Aaron Rodgers. Or Brett Favre. Not that it's anything wrong with being all-time greats, right. but it's it's the rings, especially with what Brady's done. It's the rings that determine whether or not you're you're in the pantheon of all-time greats. So, yeah, no, you're uh, right. At the end of the day, the average fan they just boil it down to that and always go to the rings discussion. He's already getting into the discussion of all-time great for me, uh, as far as that's concerned. But but. Either way, I mean, I know what you're saying. You win a second Super Bowl, you start to get into two and three, you go to another stratosphere. There's no doubt about that. And I think that point is real, and I think that you're right. He's trying to get there. He's obsessed with it. That's all he's going to talk about. Um, But, man, quarterback and play in general last night because we didn't talk about the other freak on the other side. Do you want to go there now? Well, yeah, and and let's set the stage because it was beautiful symmetry. To Super Bowl 49. Different quarterback for the Patriots. Right. But Super Bowl 49, as we know, ended on the one-yard line with Russell Wilson throwing the ball instead of the Seahawks dialing up a run. And here come the Patriots. It was 35-24. I declared it to be over. At 35-23, whatever it was. 35-23. I said it's over. Foolishly. And here come the Patriots, 35-30, driving down the field. And they get that last play from the one-yard line. And, Chris, what did you see as that fateful play unfolded? Well, it's a play they've gone to. We saw this last week. We saw it during this game, I believe, two other times and big moments. And really, great job by Pete Carroll because after the Patriots get the completion, right, they line up in the formation. Pete Carroll and the Seahawks call timeout because they go, "Uh uh-oh, here they go. They're going to put 9,000 pounds on the line of scrimmage and try to overpower us. And to me, the biggest difference was this. Number 91, L.J. Collier, He's the guy that makes the play. He's the guy that hits Cam Newton's legs and makes him flip up into the air. 
It was the first time all game on that play that he played on the outside edge of the tackle. He didn't try to like dart inside to clog the middle and then leave that edge on the outside where we saw Cam Newton kind of run through untouched, I believe, two other times. This time he got on the edge of that shoulder of that tackle, bounced off, and made an unbelievable play. Really did. And, I mean, Mike, what were you doing there? Were you sitting there? Because I was like, man, what are the Patriots going to do? Are they going to run it? They've had great success here. But I was like, man, Seattle's going to be foaming at the mouth. I, I was really thinking, like, maybe Josh. I'd have passed it. I'd have passed I know. It. I thought Josh or Bill might throw hey. that just thinking they might go all out to stop the run. But the, way, the pop pass it. they did, the pop pass they right. did earlier in the game. Right. I, 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 I think if you put Josh McDaniels under a little sodium pentothal, he'd say, I wish I'd have held that until the end of the game. Yeah, probably. Probably. It, it's, you know, it's tough, though, at the same time to st- – to not call a play that's been so like successful so far the first two weeks of the year, right? We haven't seen anybody even come close to stopping them at the line of scrimmage when they've done that yet. So they until went to then. their they, yeah until then. But but I'm never gonna fault the team for going to the bread and butter, just like the Super Bowl 49 that we're talking about. You know, hey, we wanted to see Marshawn. They didn't do that. So we all got pissed off and went, what are you doing, Seattle? You're crazy. This big sucker just broke seven tackles to play before to get you to the one-yard line. Why wouldn't you give it to him again? I have a feeling we'd be saying the same thing, too, though, if they did try to do the pass and somebody tipped it or it didn't work out the right way. We'd go, why wouldn't you just run it with 900 pounds of Cam Newton and lead blockers and everything like that? So I'm not going to fault the call. It was just a great play by Seattle, and New England went to the well probably one too many times on that one. You've heard from us on the final play. Let's hear now from some of the key figures uh, who influenced and actually participated in that moment. What was running through the coach's mind as they make the decision there? Um, about what you would think it would be. We had one play to score, and we tried to go with what we thought was our best play. What else is there to think about? You know, I saw a clip of it. Uh, I could have I could have made it right by just bouncing it. I was just trying to be patient, just thinking too much, man. You know, normally, or even just diving over the top. I, you know, so many different things that flashed over me, and, and and playing a fast defense like that. As soon as you guess, you're wrong. We took a shot at that play. It had been real successful for him earlier, and and uh, so we got after it. And, and the guys did a fantastic job of adjusting right there on on the fly, and and uh, we got it done. It was an amazing play, amazing moment. I'd love to go back out there and do it all over again if we could. Yeah, maybe they will in a few months, Chris. Uh, they both both teams are looking pretty damn good, and it's yeah. a shame someone had to lose that one. I look, I I understand why you play to your strength in that spot, and you know how it goes. Yeah. If it works, if it works, hey, you're a genius. If it doesn't work. And even if you're Bill Belichick, usually when it doesn't work for Bill Belichick, you don't get questioned. But rarely do we see a situation like that where the Patriots are on the brink of a victory in an up or down, win or lose, pass fail scenario. Right. And it doesn't work out for them. Well, how often does that happen? Right. It doesn't. It's it usually doesn't happen. I mean, they're not in that situation very often because usually they're winning the game, not trying to come back and win it on the last drive. But uh you know, look, hey, bottom line is you got to call a play. You got to give it a try. And you never know what the alternative would have done, period. We're not privy to an alternate universe where they passed it at the goal line instead of running it. So maybe a pass wouldn't have worked either. No, I mean, who knows? Uh, you know, and, and you're right. Hey, listen, Chris Collinsworth, he's all over these two teams, right? I mean, he knows everything. He gives us so many good things to talk about and think about during the game. Even him during the game was going, oh, this this play's unstoppable. They can't. Nobody's going to stop this. So, I understand it. I do. You can't fault the play. Seattle just made a great play in a big moment. Uh, and New England will readjust. You're right. We don't see New England come up short very much in those type of situations. Definitely not. But I think there is a silver lining for New England because we went into the game going, wait, the New England run game, all the tricky things you can do with Cam Newton. What are they going to do? There's no weapons in the pass game. There's no weapons. You know, how is he going to be able to throw the football? Because that's what I was told all year. You know, last last year, that's all we heard. So how about that? I mean, yes, he can throw the football. This is just going to make – this is a game, even though they lost, I really think New England's offense is going to come away going, okay, there's nothing we can't do. We're, we're It's official. 
This big guy here understands how to read the field. He can make unbelievable throws, scrambled when he need to. And then, of course, all the things they could do in the run game and everything like that. So it's something to build on nonetheless. I think that's what's encouraging for Cam Newton, the Patriots, McDaniels, Belichick. We're still early on in their shelf life here. And they've shown us two weeks of going, whoa, there's some big-time potential here. Yeah, it's a pick-your-poison type of an offense, much like what the Chiefs are trying to develop with rookie Clyde Edwards-Alaire. However, though, and we can focus on the decision at the goal line, but the reality is maybe they should have had more than one crack at the goal line. Yeah, that's that's real. The, the curious decision, let's set the stage here. Yeah. First and 10 from the Seattle 31. The ball was snapped with 36 seconds on the clock. They get the ball down to the Seattle 13 on an 18-yard pass to Julian Edelman. Right. And then it's tick, 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 tick. 23 total seconds went off the clock between the start of the first play and the start of the next play. I mean, there's some valuable opportunities there to get the ball close to the end zone and punch it over, and you're still at the 13. What are you doing? You're at the th it's not like you're on the three. You're at the 13. And uh, who knows why Bill Belichick did what he did. Let's hear from Bill Belichick directly on why he did what he did, or, or maybe we won't hear from him much at all. Here he is. Was there a thought at all to take a timeout after the long play to Julian there at the end? Seattle took a timeout. I mean, what are you talking about? I think the uh, clock ran down from 36 seconds to 13 after the 18-yard completion to Edelman. Yeah, well... Yeah. Hey, Bill, right. he's still sitting there. For those of you listening on Sirius XM 211, Bill Belichick is still question? sitting there. And Stacey James eventually intervenes and says, let's go to the next question. So that Look, answered it. I, that was the answer. Well, I got nothing to say. I got nothing to say. And, you know, we're just a week removed from Vic Fangio with that head-scratching failure to, to call timeouts late in the game against Mike Vrabel and the Titans. This was worse. I mean, you're at the 13. You still have work to do. I, I don't know. Was he surprised by the fact that they got the ball down to the 13? It just was odd. But uh, – uh, and, and this is so different because, remember, Belichick did this against the Seahawks at Super Bowl 49. As they were moving closer and closer to the goal line, he didn't call timeouts in order to get the ball back. This wasn't about using timeouts to, you know, give yourself more time to score. This is, hey, I don't want to get the ball back with three seconds left if they do score. And when he didn't call that timeout, people were wondering what was going on. And I think he looked across the sideline and he sensed the disarray that was happening in Seattle. And he thought, you know what, if I just go ahead and let them continue this, they're going to do something that is going to help us tremendously, and they ultimately did. The disarray last night was on his own sideline. Who's not calling a timeout there? Who's making that decision to not kill the clock when you've got timeouts? Again, you don't take them home with you, and you better use them while you can, while you still have time to try to reverse the outcome. Yeah, uh, listen, it, it was shocking. There's no doubt about it. Now, I think there's two things here. First off, I mean, you're right. You never see Bill make these type of mistakes. It's very rare, very rare. I mean, it's very calculated. I think the fact that... He didn't answer that in the way he answered it. Kind of tells you he probably doesn't like his own decision when it came to that either. And realizing that, but I think the other th two things too here would be, and I don't know why he didn't call timeout, but I'm just trying to. One, it took a little bit longer for them to get up to the line and spike the ball. The other thing is Julian Edelman caught the ball on the sideline going out of bounds. I do wonder if they just thought like, wait, did he go out of bounds? Did we get a clock stoppage? It just seemed like, hey, we got the pass, and it was a little bit of a delay before I saw Cam going like, hey, come on, everybody, let's spike it, you know, and giving all the signals and doing all that. So maybe there was some indecisiveness there. Either way, you're right, it's very rare. And when I watch back on TV, I think on that that – that play that was snapped at 36 seconds that you're talking about, I believe the guy was tackled with 29 seconds, and then they don't stop the clock till nine. So that's still 20 seconds. Se yeah, well, yeah, it's 20 it's, seconds. It went, yeah, it was it was it was down to 13 seconds when the next play started. Right. Um, and then the timeout was taken by Seattle after that play 
more to kind of gather and regroup. Right. It wasn't to stop the clock. That's what made Bill's explanation even stranger. Seattle didn't take a timeout to stop the clock. The clock was stopped after the incompletion to Edelman with nine seconds left after that play. Nobody took a timeout to kill the clock while it was tick, 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 ticking away. Right. What could have been another, I don't know, it was first and goal at the one. No. I don't know how many opportunities they would have had if that first one didn't go through. Now, here's and here, cause a play. Here's, I think they costed themselves a play. They costed well, themselves one more shot. Now, the timeout came in handy because they could attack and got the ball at the one one yard line. But I do think that if they take the timeout after that play, maybe it's two plays, really, right? I mean, again, especially if you talk about like attacking the end zone, right, Mike, where it's like we're going to attack the end zone maybe all four times, then I do think they probably could have got four plays off. Yeah, certainly. But, you know, at the same time, I don't know, they could have thrown a ball down to the one-yard line and then had to get up there and spike the ball, and we could have been in the same scenario too. So – uh, well, but but let's let's break yeah, it down. Let's yeah. break it down. Go ahead. From the moment they got to the 13 and right. didn't call the timeout, they had three more plays. They had the pass to Julian Edelman that was dropped. They had the pass to Nikhil Harry down to the one, the 12 yarder that, well, that almost got to the end yeah, zone. The pass to Julian Edelman the was the spiking of the ball, wasn't it? Isn't that just a oh, okay, it's, spiking? Right, right. So it's it may have been spiking. Yeah. It's, it says passing complete short middle to Julian. Oh, Edelman. that's right. He there. did. There was he a did. drop. You're right. Okay. And then they had the the last play first and goal from the one. Right. So so let's let's go alternate universe. They call timeout with twenty nine seconds left when that play ends. Yeah. They got first and ten from the thirteen with twenty nine seconds. Now that's their last timeout. They they would have been out of timeouts at that point. But your first and ten from the thirteen with twenty nine sec twenty nine seconds left. Yeah. First and ten from the thirteen. You got enough time to run a play up the middle and spike it quickly because your guys aren't moving very far. They got 13 yards between where they are in the end zone. That'll save I think, you. Right. I think you 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 get and you get. I, I then there's less of that that hair on fire. I mean, you can be a little more strategic. You can be a little more tactical. And yeah, if you get tackled in bounds, you can kill the clock. But I I just feel like they could have operated a little more flexibly, a little more freely, and maybe it wouldn't have been that all eggs in one basket from the one yard line last play of the game. You know, maybe get a couple shots at the end zone. Uh, you can be a little more deliberate. You can you can keep Seattle guessing a little bit. It just that's that's instead of 29 seconds, there's nine seconds after that that first play from first and ten on the 13. And and if it was any other coach, we'd be body slamming him. That's the reality. That's what six rings buys you, folks. If it was any other coach, if it was Jason Garrett last year with the Cowboys, any other coach this year, we'd be saying, what in the hell was this guy doing not taking his time out? But with Bill Belichick, he can sit there through 30 seconds of awkward silence and and still not get criticized as aggressively as any other coach. No, he he ha he won't. You're right. I mean, that's just the, the facts of the situation. And, you know, in a lot of ways, he deserves that, too. The, the fact that he gets a little leeway there. I think he's proven to us that, yeah, he's not perfect, but damn, he's the closest thing we've ever seen as far as a head coach in the NFL in these situations. But agreed with you, Mike. I mean, there's no question that he cost – it cost them a play, maybe two, of another shot at the end zone or making the situation a little easier, whatever that may be. Yeah, I, I agreed with you there, and I'm, I'm shocked that they didn't call the timeout. I don't know what went on, and I would love to hear an explanation. Maybe we'll hear something more from Bill today uh, when he thinks about this a little bit more. But, uh, you know, regardless, he's going to be able to walk away and go, damn, my quarterback – Week one showed me I can run the ball. Week two, he showed me, hey, even when they take away the run, he can move the ball through the air and then move the ball in very clutch situations. I mean, like you know, like you said, it was over. Down 12, right? I mean, bing, bang, boom, they're right down the field, and you're going, uh-oh, watch out. So uh, I think that's the big thing. We saw Cam Newton in this offense, I think, t come alive in its totality, and we'll see where it goes uh, from here. And I will say this last thing, Mike. I do think last night was the first time, or it's only the second game. Of course, it's the first time. But Dante Hightower, Patrick Chung, there was a few plays there, some miscommunication. You saw Swain catch the wide-open pass where no one's covering him, right? I mean, I think those were a few things where you go, hey, there's the newness of this Patriots defense and some of these new guys where you saw some communication issues and some people bust some assignments last night that you usually don't see on that New England defense. 
One last thing on Cam Newton before we take a break. I've seen people saying, how in the hell was Cam Newton unsigned all those months? Why did no one else with quarterback needs? Well, are these the same on? people that were telling me I was crazy for putting him at number 10 in my quarterback rankings? Or the, may have been. Maybe the probably same the same people, people, but now they're going to tell here's you the thing. it's crazy. Right. We didn't know he was healthy. Yep. Nobody knew whether or not he was healthy. And secondly, the teams that already have their entrenched starters – don't want this guy as their backup. I remember the report that came out. He's willing to be a backup. But why the hell would he be willing to be a backup? If he's healthy, he should be no one's backup. So you're going to bring in total disruption to your team after you've made a long-term commitment. I mean, think about, uh, and, and this one's an easy one. This is as low-hanging as the low-hanging fruit gets. Cam Newton and Kirk Cousins right now. Um, night and day difference. But you've made the $33 million a year investment in Kirk Cousins. You can't bring in Cam Newton right. and have the players realize after one practice that Cam Newton's a better exactly. quarterback overall, that he can move away from pressure instead of collapse like a folding chair. No, I, it's, it's so that that's that's the dilemma. And it worked out perfectly for the Patriots. It's working out perfectly for Cam. And even though they lost last night, this is a team that's going to win plenty of games as long as Cam stays healthy. And uh, we'll see yeah. if that happens. Speaking of health, plenty of guys didn't stay healthy yesterday. Yikes. A staggering Jeez. and troubling day of injuries that I don't think is a trend. It's just stuff happens. It happens in football. It happened week two last year. It happened week two this year. We'll give you all the information on the big injuries from the day when PFT Live continues right after this. Major injuries from the second Sunday of the 2020 NFL season. And let's start with that top line. All 49ers. The big one, Nick Bosa, knee injury. Feared to have a torn ACL. Confirmation likely coming today with that MRI. They know when they manipulate it. They know when the stability is not yeah, there. The, the reactions MRI is look they, like they it, know. too. They, right. yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. You could tell. Remember when Nick Bosa got hurt last year against the Vikings in the playoffs and right. he bounced right up and he was fine? There was no bouncing by Nick Bosa. They knew this one was serious. Solomon Thomas with a knee injury. Raheem Mostert left with a knee injury. We thought he was just going in to get an IV or, or just a little extra something before the second half. He doesn't return. Jimmy Garoppolo clearly hobbled in the first half, and it was getting worse, not better. He's got a high ankle sprain. High ankle sprain keeps you out for a while, typically. So... This 49ers team reeling already coming into the game. Richard Sherman, star cornerback on injured reserve. George Kittle not available because of a knee sprain he suffered on the hospital ball that Jimmy G threw last week. Right. This is a team D that's Ford. been ravaged yeah. by injuries. Right. Throughout, yeah, D Ford was out yesterday. And and uh, they're, they're just a couple hours down the road from here in West Virginia until next week when they go back to MetLife Stadium to play the Giants. And that's the concern now. Because in the aftermath of the game, what are we hearing? Yeah. All of the complaints about the turf at MetLife Stadium and the lower leg injuries resulting from feet getting caught and it's spongy. And the, the league's going to look into it. Look, they the have league certifies to. every field before every game. But, the, but they're going to look into it because the 49ers and the Giants play there next week. Then Giants and Jets play there every week. I mean, there's a game there every week all season long. It, Mike, first off, and, and again, you know – I as a football player, you get trained to look at things. And and I swear to you, uh, last week during the Monday night football game against the New York Giants and the Pittsburgh Steelers just to address the turf, I noticed it then. James Conner hurt his foot and ankle last week when he had to come out of the game. He caught a ball in the left flat. His foot got caught in the turf. I noticed it. Big Ben, think about him, got hit early. Remember? He limped around. Foot got caught in the turf. They lost their right tackler. I'm blanking on his name. Uh... Uh, either, Zach Banner. Yeah, exactly. Lose him. Similar type of turf type thing there. So I, I have noticed it. And of course, you know, not sitting here trying to say I notice everything, but either way, it's something I look for. And you see, I saw it again yesterday. It's troubling. Yeah, they got to figure that out. That's not good. Players wouldn't complain about that, right? Unless they really felt like this doesn't feel right. They're not wired that way. And I bet that I mean guaranteed it's just something they felt right away when they went on the field like man this is tight there's no give you know your feet can't move once you plant them in the ground and that's scary and it, it happened a number of times yesterday in the game other side of the coin I talked to Jordan Reed the 49ers tight end who had a couple of touchdown yeah. catches yesterday and I asked him about it as part of the conversation and, and he kind of sheepishly said I didn't really notice anything and uh the 
Giants and Steelers, I've learned they had, even though the Steelers had those injuries, they didn't complain. no concerns, no complaints right. about the quality of the turf. And uh, from from the Jets' perspective, uh, the the information I got was we were too busy getting our faces kicked in to notice the turf, which, uh, given the final score, 31-13, to 13, that would make some sense. What does this mean for the 49ers, though, moving forward and not have these guys? Well, it's, I, I mean, holy cow. I mean, first off, Raheem Mostert, we've seen what he can do. You know, Early in the game, the last two weeks, he's a home run hitter. So not to have him. Then, you know, no Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa, as we heard from anybody at the Super Bowl last year, as we saw with our own two eyes, he's already regarded as one of the best defensive players in football. And we know this is a defense that doesn't have a great secondary and is built around the pass rush. So when you have Nick Bosa out as your best pass rusher on your team, Deep Ford, who is always hurt and battling injuries his whole career, I'm not trying to be a jerk or anything like that, and now you got Jimmy Garoppolo on one leg. George Kittle's not in there. Their starting center, Weston Richburg's not there. Debo Samuel, their best receiver, is not there. So, yeah, they're very fortunate that right now with the state of their football team, they're playing the Jets and now the Giants, two teams that even though they're banged up, they're still better than. And hopefully they can kind of withstand this stretch. But it's already starting to get to the point where it's starting to make me think about, like, woo. Wait, can they sustain this? How big of a player are they going to be in the NFC this year? Because you're getting down here now to like another injury or two, and you're going to go, oh, this isn't the same football team. They're in deep trouble, and you don't know where it goes from here. But they got a very favorable early schedule, as you can see here on TV. Giants, Eagles, Dolphins gives them a few weeks to at least get healthy before they start a brutal stretch there uh, with the Patriots and Rams in week six. Bosa's the killer. That's the one. Killer. Because Bosa is the guy who changed that team last year. He transformed that defense. He helped that pass rush reach the next level. So you don't have to worry about the back end because the quarterback right. is too worried about being thrown on his back end. And now without Bosa, you lose that. And that's what's going to be the killer for the 49ers, regardless of the depth they have elsewhere. To, and, and they, you know, they flirted with some guys. Didn't they have Ziggy Ansah in there yeah, not that long there ago? Yeah, they last week. I mean, he's probably going to be back sooner rather than later. Right. they got to find somebody to come in and rush the pass. Their second most important position in football other than quarterback. The other injuries that we need to mention as it relates to impact on the game, Saquon Barkley, oh. Giants running back. Are you kidding me? Possible torn ACL for him. He's trying to shake off what was a horrible debut to the 2020 season, criticized by Tiki Barber, trying to do it all. And this is what happens sometimes to running backs. That's why you got to get paid while you can. And it raises an interesting question now because his third season is going to be in the books as he's recovering from a torn ACL. He needs to to draw the line in the sand and get paid before he goes back out on the field. Are the Giants going to want to do it until they see what he can do, Chris? This creates a real relationship problem between player and team given the timing of this injury. Yeah, no, I, I don't think I don't think you can do it if you're Saquon Barkley now. You know, to be able to sit there and command more money with last year, you know, being a solid a good year but not like what we expected from Saquon Barkley. It certainly wasn't his fault. I mean, he didn't have a lot of help around him. But now you have this year, too. Yeah, I just I would have a hard time thinking that I don't even know if he would have the the guts to ask for more money in this type of situation where he's at. I don't even know if that's really even right in football world where he is. So hopefully he can get healthy, come back. It's next, right. Hey, it's yeah. right. It's right in agent world. If no, I'm his agent. I know. I hear because, you. Because we've seen what can happen to you. We know what you can do when you're healthy. We've seen what happens when when you know you go out and play and you give it your all. Yeah. Uh you you deserve the financial security that protects you against the next major injury. No, but you got to see him healthy again to say, "Okay, here's the investment too." So there's a, it's a little bit of a, you know, a double whammy there. That's where it stinks. So, best case scenario, I look for Saquon is like hopefully he can come back better than ever, go through the first 6-8 weeks of the year next year and we go, "He's back and he's like awesome." And maybe they re-up him then, something like that. But I would have a hard time thinking that happens now until he kind of goes out there and shows like, hey, I'm still Saquon and the guy you drafted at number two. But unfortunate, really is. It's unbelievable. And, uh, you know, heart goes out to Saquon. He's, he's a hell of a guy and a hell of a player. Real quickly on the way out the door, keep an eye on the Christian McCaffrey MRI news today. I got a feeling this could be like last week's Michael Thomas. Yeah. You know, Michael Thomas 
very determined, very hard-headed, very stubborn. He's fine. He's fine until he isn't. Same mentality with Christian McCaffrey. He says he's fine, but he would say he's fine even if he's if not fine. Was we'll off. find right. out today. Right. Yeah, we'll find out today whether or not he is fine. But that's a big one if the Panthers don't have him for any period of time. So we'll keep an eye on that throughout the day. We'll have you updated on it at ProFootballTalk.com. When we return... How about them Cowboys? Oh, baby. How about what they did to the Atlanta Falcons? Newsflash. The Falcons have blown a major league lead lead again. <laughs> you lead, blew league. your way they, out I of this blew, segment. I blew, it was going so well once again as the plane lands. <laughs> they I go blew a lead, 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 lead. We'll be right back with more PFT Live. They blew it. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Dallas Cowboys down and out and defeated and beaten and somehow, somehow pulled a rabbit out of their 10-gallon hat yesterday to pull off the victory over the Atlanta Falcons, who I think have just blown so many leads over the years that that it's just it's in their DNA now. I, I think that, that at some point, I think that at some point on the sideline, you develop that palpable sense of here it comes again, right? How can you not? When you've had that many times for the guys who have been there, the players, the Matt Ryans, the Julio Jones, the Dan Quinns, anyone else who's been on that sideline for the last seven, eight years, how do you not have that vibe? It even predates Dan That's Quinn. what I was going to say. It's before Dan Quinn. It is. It, it, it's been before that. I mean, Mike Smith, they had some losses like that too. What? They were up 17 nothing in the NFC Championship game against the San Francisco 49ers. So this is nothing new to them. Um, but, you know, when you when you first off – when you have a lead and you can't run the football, it's hard to keep a lead in football or at least put a game away. I don't, I'm not saying you got to keep the lead, but it's hard to put a game away. They can't run the football. And then their defense can't stop crap. I mean, for two weeks in a row, we've seen. So there's Dan Quinn, a defensive coach and everything about it. But I mean, they're, I mean they're, they should be embarrassed yesterday, by the way, that they got the ball moved on them. I mean, first off. We know, hey, they created the turnovers. Dallas sloppy early. The Prescott fumble. The Zeke Elliott fumble. The, the Dalton Schultz fumble by the tight end. Bam, bam, bam. It's 17-0 before Dallas even warmed up and got going. But then to be kind of dominated from that point on, really, and like Dallas controlled the game, 570 yards of offense, 7 for 13 on third downs, 81 plays, 7 yards per play. What? Are you kidding me? And then... Atlanta controlled the clock 33 minutes to 26 and won the turnover battle and somehow found a way to lose a game. I mean, that's that's a crusher right there. A crusher. Chris, Chris, listen to this from ESPN Stats and Info. The Falcons had 39 points with zero turnovers in their loss. Entering today, teams were 440 and zero when scoring 39 points with no turnovers since 1993 when team turnovers were first tracked as a statistic. 440 and zero. Well, now 440 and one. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it's very rare 
to see three turnovers to zero, and the team with three turnovers wins the football game. Um, just there's so many things to talk about. First off, Dallas, Dak Prescott, everything like that. You're going to see, I mean, hey, watch out. He's going to make them pay because with this weaponry and the way he's playing and his confidence, he seems very comfortable within that offense. There's no doubt about that. But uh, Atlanta, I, I just think that's the big thing here, more than even Dallas coming back. Just like, not only the blown lead, the way they handled the, way they handled the onside kick, that's a whole other discussion. You know, I could also sit back here and go into the second quarter, and I know it's the second quarter, but why are we going up for two when it's 26 to seven? Just go up 27. Oh, wait, you needed that point. You might have been at 40 40. I, I don't understand any of that. So, yeah, Atlanta, um, they're reeling right now, and it's not a good look for them through the first two games. Not at all. I like the fact that coaches have departed so dramatically from the conventional. And it wasn't that long ago where coaches were fearful of doing anything unconventional because if you do what's unconventional and it fails, that's the kind of thing that gets you criticized. If you do what's conventional and it fails, nobody ever says boo. And uh, It's the opposite now, though, Mike. It's the opposite. If you do it's like you have to embrace right. embrace the analytics and do the unconventional, right. and then no one's going to criticize you because the analytics crowd will say, Bravo. Even yeah. though it failed, right. bravo, you're giving us credibility by doing the thing that, that we think you should do. We'll talk more at some point about Mike McCarthy's curious decision to go for two when down nine late That in the was game. crazy, But too. how about the onside kick that saved his bacon? They called it a watermelon kick because the ball just sits there. There's no T. It sits there like a watermelon. It was kicked by Greg Zerline. It spun. The Falcons players treated it like it was a soiled diaper or something. They weren't going to jump on it. And uh, it eventually made it 10 yards, and the Cowboys grabbed it. Well, yeah, it's, it's an amazing play. I mean, first off, I, we, should we be surprised? Greg Zerline and, you know, Jim Fossil, not John Fossil, excuse me, who's arguably the best, you know, special teams coach in all of football, who always is doing creative things. These two are the guys that figured it out. Of course they are. I mean, it was just it's amazing job by them tinkering with the new rules, figuring out how to do it. And then, yes, Atlanta, for them to sit there and watch it, like it's like, you know, like old guys watching bocce ball. I don't know what the hell they were doing. It did. It was. I said last night when we did our uh, taping in the third quarter. It was like, it was is it going to hit the ball? Kick. Is it going to hit it? <laughs> well, and I think that's what they're, they're thinking. It's not going to make it 10 yards. Right. It's not going to make it 10 yards. If it doesn't make it 10 yards, no big deal. But if it does, then you're screwed. See, so you jump on it. When you, you see it at eight or nine, when it's going that way, you got to make a play. And time go, We're to jump on it. On it. Right. <laughs> when it gets to nine, it's time to jump on it. Yeah. We got another hour of PFT Live still to come. We'll be right back. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.